Welcome to Voices of Taos. My name is Laura Martin-Baseman, and I'm the producer of this new podcast from the Taos News. Every week, we will be bringing you a voice from our Taos community. This week, we have Larry Torres, who is a native of Arroyo Seco up here near Taos, and he has been a teacher of Spanish, Russian, French, English, Latin, and bilingual education, and he recently retired after 45 years of teaching. He is also the editor of the Taos News' Spanish page, El Crepusculo. Welcome, Larry. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm glad to be with you again. Northern New Mexico is well known for its holiday traditions and yes, it is. how unique they are uh-huh. be- between you know us arguing with the people down south about whether farlitos or luminarias and vice versa. <laughs> Which yes. is always very entertaining, oh, I find. Of course. <laughs> um, what are some of the unique things that are coming up, you know, in northern New Mexico festivities in the next couple of weeks? In the next couple of weeks? Well, yeah. we begin with Las Posadas, which began on the 15th of December. Traditionally begins on the 15th of December, and it goes all the way through Christmas Eve. And those are festivals, prayer forms, that take place at various homes throughout the area. And uh, people really enjoy them because they're sung in Spanish. And uh, sometimes they have traditional melodies, like 15th century melodies, or sometimes they look like something out of Rigoletto, depending on who's doing the singing. But it's kind of a wonderful thing to, to do. And again, you have to contact the different parishes and different offices. Uh, we'll tell you when and if they're doing posadas that year. And something we also talked about briefly before we started is that there's a tradition of saying Innocente on December 28th. What is that all about? That's Holy Innocence Day. The the 28th of December is traditionally the day, biblically speaking, when King Herod Agrippa murdered a whole bunch of children looking for the Christ child. And because of this... It is called the Feast of the Holy Innocents, which are called the Proto-Martyrs of the Catholic Church. They were the first people who died for the sake of Jesus way back when. And because of that, on that day here in northern New Mexico, we have a tradition that anything that you borrow on that day from anyone else, from your neighbor or relatives, something like this, you don't have to return. So if somebody's foolish enough to give you $1,000 on that day or just their new car or or the keys to the house, and they don't say, Dios te lo pague por inocente, then you have to do nothing for it to, to return it. But if they say, Toma, pero no por inocente, those, the, and, and if somebody catches you off guard and gives you all these things, and you say, Dios te lo pague por inocente, may God return it to you because you were such an innocence. And it's kind of an interesting thing because there was a man by the name of Posner, I don't remember his first name, but his name was Posner. He's been dead now for 200 years. But in those days, he would actually sell brooms on that day. Right. And he said, this is for you to wipe away your innocence. Este es para que barran sus inocencias. And uh, even though the man is long gone and it, nobody remembers his name anymore, the tradition continues from one generation to the next to the next. It's so technically speaking, that is the Spanish version of April Fool's Day, a day when you give or get something in return for nothing. 
Excellent. That's a wonderful history I knew very little about. I thank you so much. Another thing that I know is important in New Mexico and also other Latin American communities, you know, further south from us, is the Tres Reyes, the Three Kings Day. Yes. And I think I might be wrong, you can correct me, that that used to be a bigger day for giving presents and stuff than Christmas it even was. It was for the longest while. For the longest, that was the official Christmas. In Latin America, still, the 6th of January, the Dia de los Reyes Magos, is recognized the official as the official Christmas. And instead of hanging up stockings for Santa Claus to come, they put out straw so that the camels that the three wise men are riding will have something to eat when they're passing through. Also called the Feast of the Epiphany, which is the, the new awakening, the new coming, and which is also very important to the rest of us who understand it or try to understand these, is the fact that it is also the Feast of Gentiles, non-Jews. So when the three kings come to visit especially at Christmas time, they're bringing the history of the baby Jesus to all non-Jews throughout the world, which makes it more of a universal theme for, for a lot of people around the world. Wonderful. And do any communities in New Mexico still celebrate Three Kings Day, or is it kind of passed away? As a lot tradition? of it has passed. It was still celebrated when I was a child. On that day, you used to sing songs asking for what is called aguinaldos. Aguinaldos is Christmas tidings. Let me see if I recall how it goes. Denos aguinaldos, denos aguinaldos, si nos han de dar, si nos han de dar, que la noche es fría y tenemos que andar. Que la noche es fría, tenemos que andar. And so that was how you would greet people at the door when you'd come. You'd come to their door singing, and they would give you Christmas tidings because of this. And that is something that has not been done in the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. But I still remember them, and I recorded them way back when. Otherwise, I wouldn't have. And mercifully, it was my mother who taught me about this. Otherwise... I wouldn't have remembered this at all. Mm, well, it's so great that we can preserve some of those unique traditions it, that it, have totally faded away from other communities. Isn't it, though? But, but you're right in asking us if, if that was the official Christmas or not. And yes, it was. After Los Aguinaldos, there was called Miss Christmas. And Miss Christmas is a Spanish corruption of my Christmas tidings. And that was the proto-version of Halloween, but done at December, at the end of December. When you would come at right before the sun rises, and you'd go from door to door. Aguinaldos has already been celebrated, but now people come from door to door saying, Miss Christmas, Miss Christmas, give me my Christmas tidings. And people would open the doors. They weren't wearing masks or anything like this, but they would give them things like uh, peanuts or candy, uh, little things like this. And nobody seems to remember this. When I was speaking to the Historical Society the other day and they wanted to have me do a presentation, I said, fine. They said, we'd like to give something to the people who are attending. And I said, we'll give Miss Christmas. And they said, what are Miss Christmas? And they said, that's a little bag of candy, just a, a little bag. And, 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 and it's full with peanuts or nuts and, uh, 
and oranges and apples and, and candies, something like this. And people who are old enough will remember when this was the official gift that you give at Christmas time. Mm, that's wonderful. Well, my um, one of my grandmothers loves to give peanuts for uh-huh. Christmas, so I can tell her it's in it's in a tradition of Miss Christmas. Miss Christmas is right. Thank <laughs> you. I'm glad. I'm so glad that you're going to tell her that yes, it still goes on. Absolutely. <laughs> and the thing that happens during that time, sometime between Miss Christmas and Los Aguinaldos, is called La Noche de los Abuelos. Mm. Again, we call them abuelos, but it's really a corruption of the word abuelo, which means the ancient ones. And during those days, people dress, that's, uh, those are people who dress in Halloween style with masks, and they go from door to do- door, speaking only Spanish or Tiwa, mm. and begging the people to open the doors and give them some, something to, to, to eat or something to drink. And again, a lot of people, th- this lived for a little longer than Los Aguinaldos, for about, it probably started to disappear in the last 20 years. The last I heard about it, they were being done in places like Amalia or El Cerro, but uh, in Taos, no, in, in the places where there are towns now, but there, it was a very, very local tradition, mm-hmm. rural tradition. Mm, cool. So fascinating. So the new year falls in between those kind of Christmas celebrations. Mm-hmm. Are there any unique New Year celebrations? New Year celebrations, uh, again, it's all full of joyous attempt to have the family over. So it's a bigger celebration than Thanksgiving, because, but everybody gets together and give thanks for, the, for, for, for having a new life. And then you sing songs to the Christ child because of this. And uh, greet anybody at the New Year whose last name is Emmanuel or Emanuela. Manuel or Manuela, because that is the, cre- the Hebrew word for Christ is with us, or more traditionally, Christ is within us, within us. He is not just out there somewhere, he is within us. And so you go out and and uh, gather uh, anybody, the names of anybody named Manuel or Manuela in any town, and they are the first ones who will be serenaded on the night before uh, New Year's Eve. And it's kind of a kind of a neat thing. That one's still going on unofficially in many, many places, but I, it's kind of fun. I, I think the last time people came to my house, they were about two years ago before the COVID. But it was kind of neat to see that people still remember and honor these traditions. Mm-hmm. So that's called Los Manueles or Los Emanueles, and, or, or sometimes called Dando Los Dias. That's giving, again, Christmas tidings. Well, that's a great place for us to stop, and we'll have a quick break, and we'll be back with Larry Torres. Yes, ma'am. We'll be back to Voices of Taos after a brief message from our sponsor. Hi, this is Mattress Mary from Taos Lifestyle, and happy holidays. In addition to having the largest selection of furnishings and mattresses in northern New Mexico, we're also your new gift-giving headquarters with an incredible greeting card selection, custom holiday gift baskets, and so much more. Wishing you all a beautiful holiday season. Taos Lifestyle, let it move. to Larry Torres. We have been discussing um, holiday traditions in northern New Mexico, 
but you have also been a professor of languages for most of your life. Most of my life, absolutely. Yeah, and I know that there's a lot of people in New Mexico that have grown up with Spanish as a heritage language. Yes. So a language that they might not be fluent in, but they grew up listening to it being spoken by their elders, their parents, their grandparents. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any suggestions for people who want to become fluent, they probably have a good pronunciation and they have good um, understanding of context, but they just might not be able to speak it. My advice is to go out shopping and just listen. You could walk around with a cart, buy nothing if you don't need anything urgently, but just listen to what people are saying and how they are saying it. That is the local Spanish. It is not at all textbook Spanish. Anybody can buy a textbook and learn all the rules and regulations from from, from a computer anymore, but really talk to real people who are speaking the way that they are comfortable, and you'll learn Spanglish in that way. And uh, I, I like to do that myself. I like to go shopping and buy nothing. <laughs> and then when I write my Spanglish columns, people say, you know, that really happened to me, what you mentioned. And I said, it probably did. I probably just overheard you and I changed the names to protect the innocent. But, <laughs> but yes, oh, yeah. it's one of my favorite things to do because it shows you that the language is very much alive. I don't know if you know that, I guess it was in late March of this year, I was contacted by the New York Times and asked to comment on the on how Spanish or Spanglish is continuing on in the in the old traditions here in northern New Mexico, and it was very well received all over the place. People had no idea that such a thing existed, and uh, I was pleased to see it. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I I think people don't realize how unique the Spanish is here in northern New Mexico. Very could much. you? Yeah, could you tell us a little bit about why? It's so different from Spanish that's in Mexico or in other places. Absolutely. Now, Laura, what happened is that the people of northern New Mexico and all the little valleys and hills and dales around here were isolated from Spain and Mexico and Argentina for several centuries. And because of that, the Spanish didn't evolve And then suddenly we become an American nation and suddenly we are told you can no longer speak the old Spanish. You have to speak English. But we didn't understand English that well, so we made up our own words for a lot of things. So it's kind of a conglomerate of contemporary 21st century English melded with 15th century Spanish. And there are really no rules or regulations for how they are to be used. But to be able to, to do so is what defines you as a Norteño. In fact, there's a little joke that I heard just two days ago from somebody who was telling me that she was afraid uh, during this time that she was going to lose her Norteña card. And I said, what the heck is a Norteña card? (laughs) She says, the ability to speak like people in northern New Mexico. And I said, how do you know that you've lost your Norteña card? And she said... Once a year, I make pozole, I make enchiladas, I make chili the way it's supposed to be done. I make uh, uh, carne, uh, carne adobada, I make empanaditas, uh, I make panocha, all the things that I usually don't do anymore because it's so easier, it's so much easier not to do so. But I do so because I want to be identified as a norteña, and this is the way I can do it through my cuisine. Mm. 
And I thought that was kind of neat. And I thought, um, I think there's a there's a column in there for me somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the history of food here is so wonderful. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people don't know what panocha is. Not at all. But it's my favorite Easter treat that my madrina used to make for me when I was a little Yes, kid. no, it's wonderful. Sprouted wheat flour pudding. And people say, how do you sprout the wheat? Because it's the wrong season. And I say, well, what you do is you take the wheat from last year, you wet it and put it behind the stove, and suddenly it'll start to uh, expand. Thank you, to expand. And when it does, then it's ready to be made into flour and uh, be made into panocha. Yeah. The favorite dish. It's, yeah, if you haven't had it, people who are listening, I recommend you trying to find a source for it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we're so lucky. So now that you've retired, Larry, Mm -hmm. have you been really enjoying reading um, stuff that you don't have to teach on? Are you a big reader? Are you doing research on something you haven't had time to because you've been so busy teaching what have you been up to? Thank you. All the while that I was teaching, I was making notes to myself. And now that I have officially retired, I just came up, I think, two months ago with my latest five books that I started writing 41 years ago. And suddenly they are ready to be released to the general public. A lot of these things have been things that I have said in the Taos News and in Santa Fe, New Mexican, and people recognize these, but now they can see that they're big novels of things that I have been working on for the longest while. So, yes, do I read? read Yes, but more than this, I go back and correct things from 40, 41, 45 years ago and turn them into something that I had always wanted to do. And, and, and not only that, uh, Laura, what I did was not only do I write them in both English and Spanish, but they're very well received on the Internet. And then they started asking me to make illustrations for all of those instead of doing computer graphics to do my own illustrations. And those are coming along beautifully. There's a new book that's coming out, I think, two months from now. I received it from, I think it's called Lulu the publishing company, they said, we enjoy this, and it's called it's called The Adventures of Old Johnny Mudd. These are old stories that used to be told by the sheep herders, in this case my father, told it to us, and then I would write them across the years while I was teaching, just as a side to keep me occupied at night. Now I have time to actually do these and enjoy them all and see in my own mind what I saw, what, uh, what, what, what I thought was happening when I was a child. Mm. So I'm really having a good time. That since I spoke to you last time, I have had four strokes. And because of this, sometimes one of my hands doesn't work. And you know how hard it is to write with only typing with one hand? It's not that easy. I bet it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. um, but at least, and sometimes what my fingers are doing is not what my mind is saying. And so I have to proofread my poor editor. Uh, he's, he's, he, he works very hard to just sometimes to, to clarify something. And he says, okay, I understand what you're trying to say. Now, is this what your fingers meant to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad he watches out for you on yes, that level. Yes, he really does. Yeah. And I'm so excited to hear these stories. Yes. Those ship 
um, keeping sheep was such an important part of New Mexico's economy for such a long time. And the people who raised those mm-hmm. animals and traveled with them, such a unique part of our culture that we forget was such a huge part of our history. Absolutely. In fact, the, the biggest of my books is called In the Footsteps of the Holy Hermit Giovanni, which is a true story about a mystic who used to live in Las Vegas, New Mexico, who was raising people from the dead long before the archbishops arrived in Santa Fe in 1851. And so I wrote it as a whodunit, and people are one in both English and in Spanish, and people are wondering who really killed the Holy Hermit in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And I said, well, you have to read my book. <laughs> and, and, and I said, uh, I have theories, but it's important that you make up your own mind. I give you all enough clues throughout the, the whole time that we're doing this so that you understand what's happening. The other thing that I wrote is a kind of semi-autobiographical uh, novel called The Boy Who Never Was, El Joven Que Nunca Fue. Mm. And this is based on my own story about what happens when you're growing up bilingually, biculturally, and you don't know how to identify with the culture because you un- you don't understand what's happening in the world. And the only thing you can do is have your parents or your grandparents tell you about what they understood in their times and write, write it down. But I think that one's coming along very nicely. That, that one was also released about four, four weeks ago. Mm. El joven que nunca fue, the boy who never was. And I also did a another novel, which just came out, called, in any case, it's a story of a French cowboy who escaped the, the revolution in France, comes to New Mexico, and suddenly finds out a different kind of revolution, revolution while b- being in the deserts of the Southwest, and also trying to deal with such things as the new railroad system, the Louisiana Purchase, the... Indian reservations, all the things that nobody had ever told him about in Europe. And suddenly, I want, what I wanted to do in, in this story of the cowboy was talk about what it was really like to be a cow or a sheep herder or a goat herder in those days or, or, or a cowboy, but not as Hollywood would have painted them. I wanted something to be much more authentic, authentic than all these things. The other thing which I think you really enjoy, because I had never noticed until somebody noticed in my drawings that I had so much of Picasso in me, I did the stations, the way of the cross. It's called, in fact, the book is called The Way of the Cross. And these are the, the things that people pray during the time of, uh, of Easter and Lent. But suddenly when you look at them, Jesus and Mary and all the things, all the other people who are biblical people who are being portrayed, suddenly look like something very strange. And these were paintings that I did 50 years ago while I was still teaching in Ohio at the university there. And I thought, wow, look at this. I never thought that these were going to come around. But when the publishers saw this, saw these actually, they were fascinated because they said, nobody does these things anymore. People just rely on computers. But you do everything by hand, even though your hands aren't working very well and it's something that people need to see also. Wonderful. So I really enjoy these, yeah. these books. How exciting. And if I had thought we were going to talk about these, I would have brought you a copy of oh. all of them so that you could see them. Wonderful. So you could have them. Well, where can people get a copy of your books? Probably the local libraries, hopefully. Hopefully somewhere. Yeah. But you can get them online. Okay. Uh, through Amazon.com. Wonderful. Okay.
And that's the biggest distributor. Okay. We can do them for you. Wonderful. Yeah. And I'll make sure to put a link in our show notes so people can get a copy Absolutely. of that stuff. And the story of the hermit, you also yes. published that on the El Crepusculo page in Spanish every I, week too. I did for the longest while. Yeah. But And I released it 10 years ago, but I re-released it now bilingually. And so it's about three times longer than the first time that I published it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> And it, but but I'm much more satisfied with it going on. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Larry. We appreciate you, and we appreciate your um, depth of knowledge for our local community here. So thanks for joining us for no, local voices of Taos. what I enjoyed the most. And, and, and again, I have to thank the Taos News and the Santa Fe New Mexican for giving me the opportunity to have these as, a, as an interesting outlet for me as I was teaching because it enriched my teaching it gave me a chance to show the people what I am doing without ever having to show my face anymore and uh, and give them a chance to, 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 to see that if I can do it, yeah, you can too. You all have stories to tell. Give them. Tell them all everywhere you can. And it doesn't matter in what language or whether or not it is correct or, or accurate. What does it mean to you? What did it mean to your ancestors? It's important to do so. Absolutely. And I hope, you know, as we do this podcast, we can get people telling their stories even more so. so Wonderful. Good for you. And I'm glad you're doing all this. Me too. Thanks so much, Larry. No problem. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Taos, a podcast by the Taos News, produced by Laura Martin Baseman. Our music was produced and arranged by Miles Bonney. Featuring musicians Francisco Velarde, Ruben Hernandez, and Margot Macias. Please join us next week for another episode of Voices of Taos. <laughs>